because we're live. Uh, we do want to greet Tony, who's watching from New Zealand, I hope. Uh, Tony's in New Zealand right now and is a day ahead of us, but I'm not sure if she's watching or not, but Tony, we do miss you. And uh, we're in James chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. The notes are on the front page of generationword.com, right underneath the live feed. There's a little button that says notes. You can follow the notes. We're picking up where we left off last week. I'm going to read through a few verses in the book of James in the NIV, and then we're going to go to the notes. Uh, it's a very uh, important set of verses, uh, a very important book, I, I believe, uh, at, at least at this time in history. The, as we've talked about before, but I, I, I'm trying to use this to kind of help frame where we're at in, in society, where we're at in history, uh, where we see potentially things coming against this, what we'd call evil. Uh, you know, again, who in America can say they're oppressed? But again, you see some oppression, you th- see things that are, you know, not fair or not right. And the, the tendency is going to be to, to fight back somehow. If, it, if, you, if you're, you're liberal, if you're conservative, if you're, you're Christian or non-Christian, whatever it is, everyone is going to be upset about something. I mean, if you support what's going on in Ukraine or you're against what's going on in Ukraine, the Christian, and it, there's be Christians on both sides of, of all these issues, I would assume. Uh, so the answer still comes the same. You can't fight evil with evil. If, if you're, if you're uh, against something, uh, you can't fight it with evil. If you're for something, uh, and maybe even it's two Christians uh, having trying to figure out, and again, it's not all black and white as far as being clear on certain issues because people come at it from different perspectives. Now, again, I think the Word of God is absolute. I think God is clear. But as we're growing, our unity, as we've talked about before, our unity is in Christ, that we're growing towards Christ. Someone may be way over there on the political spectrum. I may be over here on the political spectrum. Or uh, it can be doctrinally. We may be always, somebody over there. I'm over here doctrinally. But our unity is not looking across at each other saying, hey, I agree with you. Well, now we're starting to form little groups. We're over here in this little group. And we're now against that little group over there. But the thing is, that little group is maybe growing towards Christ. But that's the way they see things. Our little group is growing towards Christ, but right now we see things that way. Our unity in, in Christianity is not just in our own little clique. It's in the fact that we're growing towards Christ. Because far be it from any of us, inclu- especially me standing up here teaching today, say, I've got it all figured out. You all need to unify with me and, and get in line with what I'm saying. I mean, obviously I'd like to be a, a good enough teacher that I have some things that are correct. But as you read the Bible, I realize... Uh, I'm still learning, and I can teach something 10 years ago, and now today I I learned something more. I have to make an adjustment. So if we're going to unify, you can't unify with what I say. You can't unify with who I was, what I was saying in in 20 years ago or 10 years ago or 10 years from now because I'm growing. I'm moving towards Christ. So if, if you're unifying with me today, this target you're shooting for may be in a different place in 10 years ago, I've gotten closer to Christ, and you're still unified with me. Well, I've had people who have supported me, they agreed with what I was saying, used my material, and then found out at some point that they didn't agree with me. Say, oh, I could give you issues, you know, if it be uh, the, 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 the timing of the rapture, or if it be on, you know, Jewish law and, and Christianity. And they, they all of a sudden, it's like, I, maybe I've moved or maybe they've moved either closer to Christ or further from Christ or whatever, and we're moving on this, and all of a sudden they break fellowship. But it's like, I'm moving towards Christ. If you're moving towards Christ, we've got unity. And so when we look at these issues in the world today, if it be, I mean, just start naming them. There's Christians on both sides, but the issue is not going to be fighting back and forth across, fighting evil with evil. It's going to be growing towards Christ and producing the first fruits. That's what James is talking about. We've been selected to be a type of first fruits of the coming age. Now, when we look at James right here, it, writing to this church, uh, I do want to point this out too. And I picked this up as I was reading through some commentaries, and, and a commentator made this point. And once, he, once they, they wrote it, it's kind of like, oh, well, that makes complete sense because as as we are in church history today, we can look around 
the, the world, look around the church, uh, churches, and say, you know, if we need to go back to the way it was in the beginning, you know, the early church, they, they had their act together. And, uh, and it's like, yeah, you know, they had miracles, and, and they had the apostles, and they had martyrs, and they're doing all these things. It's like, have you read the letters to the churches? I mean, these are the letters to the churches, and they're not saying things like, boy, you guys have your act together. You guys are doing great. The early days of the church, we're all understanding all the doctrines. We understand the Trinity. We understand the, the, what is the, the, the full text of Scripture. We're all supporting all of the apostles. It's like, if you know, it's like, no, Corinthians, they're like, some follow Paul, some follow Peter, and some say, well, I don't follow him, I follow Christ. Well, there's division there, and Paul's writing about division. Then you go through Galatians, and they were, they were confused about the law. They were going into the dietary laws, and the one who had taught them was Peter and Paul, and even Peter and Paul got divided and confused. They had to go to Jerusalem, have a Jerusalem council with James and the other members there, including some Pharisees that were believers, and they had to argue. It's like, what do we believe? And you understand, I'm sure they didn't come to a conclusion. Well, okay, that sounds good. There's probably division within there. And as they write through all of the, all the New Testament letters, there's always a problem. And we begin this letter. James is not writing like these, well, you, you decide what he's writing. But he's just not writing like bumper sticker slogans. You know, like these are some things you're going to want in your Christian gift shop after the church services. Here's something you might want to write on a bumper sticker. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Oh, that, that will sell. That'll be real popular. Let's put that on some coffee mugs. And it's like, and these are all just catchy little sayings that James is promoting to all the churches in Syria. You may want to have some magnets for your refrigerators. Ah, uh, here's another good one, you know it's like no he's writing right here. he begins as we said james servant of god and of the lord jesus christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations greetings he cuts right to the chase then he begins to write and the problem is this church is having problems they're new believers and they're not mature you don't just accept listen you know think back when you got saved i, I can go back to 1976 getting saved uh, becoming a Christian, and you know you have that experience of I've accepted Christ, but you ha- you still don't know anything. You still think like you did the day before. You still think only thing you've really changed your mind on is who Jesus is. That He is now the means of salvation. He is the Son of God, and you've confessed some sin. But I mean, you've confessed the sins you understand, and you're, you you want to make a change. But you know, you just, okay, I, I, I am a sinner. I've confessed my sin. Okay, now, so nice to be here. I'm not going to sin anymore. It's like, well, then right away you find out you're, you now are sinning. Or as you continue to learn the Word of God, you realize there's a whole lot of things I've got to change. I thought, I thought I just accepted Christ. No, now your life has to start coming in line with the Word of God. And you realize this is an uphill battle. I mean, you're like struggling. And now you've got other people do, do having the same experience. And you realize this is not very clean this is you're struggling you're failing you go to different leaders and ask for advice and it's like they're not even on the same but i can i've told you some stories some of the leaders i went to ask questions like oh, even as a kid it's like that's not the right answer i mean that that's that's very very carnal for an answer the early church was just like that just because they recognized jesus as the messiah they even had to begin to wrap their mind about what was the Messiah. Some of these Jews, these are Jews, he's writing to Jews, were coming out of the zealot movement or out of some political movement. Think of Christians today, whatever your issue is, think Ukraine. Some Christians are for Ukraine, get over there, let's stop Russia. Some are like, wait, we're getting played by Ukraine, stop sending Ukraine money. It's like, we need to put a stop, and you've got a political opinion about ukraine or about russia or about the china balloon you've got a you've got a political opinion christianity at this time was not separated from politics this was like well here's what's going on in the political world with rome meanwhile i'm just gonna focus on going to church well church was a result of the messiah coming to the jews and some of the jews wanting the messiah to revolt against rome the messiah saying 
No, there's something bigger happening here. If you gain the world but forfeit your soul, what have you gained? You need me. I am the bread of life. And then he dies on the cross. Even the disciples were like, oh, we didn't see that coming. Uh, and now, now they've got to figure out what do they do with a dead Messiah. Now he's, a, he's alive. And you know how, it, how it, it be, the book of Acts begins, or the Gospels end, is, uh, okay, well, he's alive now. He's with them 40 days. And now he's standing on the Mount of Olives, ready to ascend into heaven. They're going to find out. And the last question they ask him are, are this. This is, how, this is how far out of tune they were. And these are the leaders of the church. They say, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, these are, these are Jewish believers, the disciples, the ones who are going to write the New Testament. And Jesus has been resurrected for 40 days. They're convinced of it. And then he says, he, before he ascends, they, he says, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Can we now take over the world? And he says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons. It, it, it's it, my father's authority. He says, but you're going to be my witnesses. What? In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Do you understand that? How's this got anything to do with the kingdom and throwing, overthrowing the Romans? Uh, and then he floats away. And the angel, two angels appear and say, men of Galilee, why do you stand here staring in the sky? Well, we, we're ready to go to war. We're ready to take over. We're ready to establish Israel as the crowning nation of, of the world. It's like, and they go back to Jerusalem and they, just, and they wait for 10 days and the Spirit comes on them. And it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a, a military action. It wasn't a political movement. It was they got renewed. They got born again. The Spirit came into them, caused them to be born again. And it's like, now they've got to proclaim it to the people. And people are coming in, following these leaders, who still haven't figured out what they're going to do with the Jewish law. I mean, you see how sloppy this is. I mean, these are the same leaders within a few months are going to be having a debate about if the Gentiles have to follow the Jewish law to be a Christian, or can they just skip the whole Jewish law and circumcision and just accept Christ? Well, they're preaching right now in charge of the church in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, and thousands of other people join them, including some of the priests. Now you've got religious leaders who've been trained in religion and in the, in the Word of God. Now they're Christians. Some of them are Pharisees, we believe. So let's get this straightened out. And you can just imagine you've got priests, you've got Pharisees, you've got common people, you've got the disciples who traveled with Jesus, and they're in charge of the church. And, and they've all got opinions, plus they've got Rome still there. The Herods are still there. Uh, they've got, Rome is going to be destroying the place in 40 years. The whole place is going to be gone. The whole nation is gone in 40 years. So these are not like, this is not like a vacation on the beach. It's like, wow, this is great. The early church, I wish I could be part of the early church. And then I could understand what's really going on. They didn't understand what was going on. And so when we read the book of James right here, what I'm trying to point out is he's talking to people who are real caught up in a political situation they have had to flee jerusalem up into syria uh, because of persecution by their own people so they're now in syria and they're and they're angry i mean they're not like praise god everything is good we're fleeing from our homes uh, i'm so happy we have no food i'm living in a place i'm not familiar with uh, can i work in your field for next to nothing uh, and then they're not getting paid uh, they're, they're being abused financially, and, and they're Christian. And the thing is, if they would just say, forget this, and go back home and say, I, I, I jo I'm going to join Saul and his persecution of the Christians because that whole thing is a, a hoax, it's misleading people, they could plug in for a moment back into society and in the next 5, 10, 15 years maybe prosper with the priest. But the priests and the different political factions, even in Jerusalem that have rejected Christ, are going to rise up and start fighting against each other. In fact, when Rome shows up, there's civil war in the city of different groups of leaders. There's different messiahs. Jesus says, when I leave, messiahs are going to come. And there were three or four different groups of messiahs 
guys that got their militaries together, and they did exactly what the people wanted. They got their swords out, they got their military together in the wilderness, and they marched on Jerusalem. Well, yeah, but coming over this hill is another group of a Messiah and other Jews that are fighting for the kingdom of God. And none of these guys are Christians. They've all rejected Christ. So these people have been persecuted in the book of James, gone north into Syria, apparently in that general area, and they're suffering. If they would just abandon their faith and go back to Jerusalem, they could join the chaos of the different cliques of political groups that are pro-Ukraine, anti-China, you know, whatever they're arguing about, and then they're all going to be burnt to the ground. Or you could just continue with Christ and plug into this new thing that's taking place, and it's not a political movement. You can't, you can't join this. You can't fight this. And it's very easy to understand that because they're normal, natural people, just like you and me, I have political opinions. I want to take action. I want to post things on Facebook, and I want to, you know, go out and it's like, and there's a place for that, especially in America, in a democracy where we vote, there's a place to have that. But understand, that is not the kingdom of God. That's what James is trying to say. That is, this is not the way you're doing. When he talks about being tempted, this is, he says, do not say when you're tempted, you're tempted by God. And that idea of tempted, and we're picking this up here, tempted would be to somehow take action. You realize that as a Christian, you've got some political views. Or as a Christian, you have some values. You're going to take action. You're going to get engaged. Uh, but to be, take action, to get engaged, you're tempted, and you're going to have to fight fire with fire. We're going to have to have some kind of violence. We're going to have to have some kind of verbal uh, abuse, you know, some poor language, some bad dialogue. We're going to have to do something because this is the way the world works. If that's the way they're doing it, they don't understand anything but the sword. We, if we're going to be losing our possessions and we're up here being abused, we're going to have to fight back. Now, that sounds like a zealot. That sounds exactly like Simon the Zealot. That would be something he brought to the disciples. It's like, let's get the swords out. Uh, it's like, no. That, that's, you're, you're, you're still thinking on this area. Well, then we're going we're gonna to protest. We're going to march in the streets. We're going to let our voice be heard. And we're going to renounce what they're doing. No. This is not, but I'm, 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 God is leading me here. God is leading me to take action. God is leading me to get engaged. Not like this. God never tempts you like this. This is from your own desire. This is evil. This is not something God even understands, where he stimulates a human to bring violence and verbal abuse or whatever it is uh, to other people. That's not, that's not the case right here. Now, again, we're not pacifists. We're talking here about this context here as the Christians. This is your evil desire, and that's where we're at. We'll pick that up right now. But understand this early church, the, the romantic concept of the early church, if we could just be there with the Spirit of God and people prophesying and speaking in tongues, and all the confusion that came along with the Corinthian ideology. We couldn't tell the difference between Greek philosophy and Christian ideology. And, and some people were so spiritual they didn't even have to follow any kind of natural laws. They were just sexually free to experience all things because they couldn't sin because they were spiritually born again. It's like, whoa, whoa, what, what's that you said? Yeah, that, well, that's, that's, that's New Testament material right there. It's like they're all trying to find a basis. So before you look back at the early church and say, ah, oh, I wish I was part of that, it's nice to be 2,000 years down the road, have 2,000 years of church history, go, aha, ah, no, that's a mistake. Ah, that's another mistake. Ah, the crusade, not going to do that again. And all these things that they've gone through, here we are, uh, hopefully able to, you know, understand a little bit more without romanticizing it. Here's what he writes to the early church, 45 AD. We know it, but here it is again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And they all wouldn't have shouted, yes, amen, yes, we are, we understand this. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. No, they didn't know that. That's what he's teaching them. 
stay strong perseverance must finish its work you're not done yet you just keep persevering so that you may be mature complete not lacking anything meaning you're not mature you're not complete you're lacking a lot of stuff the thing you got to do is just continue to persevere if any of you lacks wisdom in other words if any of you don't understand what i'm saying you need to ask god and he'll give generously to all without finding fault fault because this is what god wants you to understand if you do not understand it you need to stop saying well i think this was no you're not ask god to show you what he's trying to show you because he'll open up this understanding of what he's doing in your life and the reason he's telling them this is because they aren't doing this um but when he asks he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown uh, and tossed by the wind that that man should not think he'll receive anything from the lord he is a double-minded man unstable in all he does so if one man shows up in the church services here's what we're going to do but i'm going to go back and fight over like this it's like that man is unstable he's not going to receive don't look for any growth in that man the brother in humble circumstances now we talk about the, the oppression they're under ought to take pride in this high position and we know understand why because you're in a humble position right now but the tests and trials are helping you mature reaching fulfillment reaching perfection in the sense of maturity where you're going to be ready for the kingdom of god so this oppression this poorness this that you're facing this humble circumstances is actually producing something that's going to last for eternity rejoice that you're in a humble circumstances but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. You're rich. I've got this all figured out. I can manage it. Well, you're missing out on a lot of growth because all you've got to do is write a check to solve your problem. What about this problem? Mm, I'll write a check. I'll bribe somebody. I'll work the system. Well, you're in a very low position because that's not the way the kingdom of God works. When the kingdom of God comes, you're going to be like, what? I don't understand anything that's going on right here. So take pride in your low position. You are a loser. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossoms falls, and its beauty is destroyed. This is the way the world works. A beautiful plant grows, but everything that grows, everything that is in the world, dies. Every, it's it's this, world, this age. Everything you see is passing away. The lesson we learn, nothing lasts forever. So you're the rich man. You're in complete control. Well, guess what? You're just like the flower you're passing away in the same way the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business so this is not an issue of how do i win in the world because as soon as you win in the world you're already losing the world because it's passing away you more, no more than get your victory it starts depreciating you no more than get your new product then it starts depreciating where if you have a, a tough situation and you have to go to the kingdom of God and start growing and maturing, you're now gaining assets. It's now benefiting you. It's going to be worth more in the future than it is today. You invest a little bit of time. You invest a little bit of energy, money, whatever resources. Boom, it's turning into something big on the other side. Jesus uses that example. Verse 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, He'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, now here I'm going to read through this and we're going to go to the notes. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. When you want to get in the world like this and follow the rich man, say, I think God is leading me here. God is tempting you. God is leading you to be violent and verbal and get in the world and fight like the world fights. Uh when tempted no one should say god is tempting me for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone this is not the way god is going to lead you but each one when you feel when you're experiencing this i think this is what god that's not god that's your evil desire you that yes you want to do that and you've 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 misplaced this is this could set a lot of christians free you've misplaced the truth of the word of god with a little voice in your head, a little feeling in your heart, uh, the deep within me, I feel God is moving me to do this. Right, but that's not what the Word of God says. Well, no, but that's really where I feel God's leading me. James, that's the desire of your heart. Don't. That's your desires. Uh, it's always, I used to hear it, I used to believe it, I used to, you know, that was my understanding how far I'd been many years ago in my Christian understanding, is follow your heart. In fact, I could give you a story right now. Uh, follow your heart. Just 
pray about it, and then follow your heart. Well, well, who do you think I am, Jesus? I mean, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, even the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, says, I'll take this cup from me. <laughs> He's following his heart. What's Jesus' heart say? Take this cup from me. I think what I'll just do, my heart is saying, I want to avoid this hour. Here in the Garden of Gethsemane, there's Jerusalem. On the other side of this hill is the wilderness. I'm going to follow my heart and just walk out of the Garden of Gethsemane. They come out to rest him. He's disappeared in the wilderness, and he just followed his heart to freedom. It's like Jesus' heart says, I want this to pass for me. But then he says, not my will, but yours be done. So there's, there's a place uh, of being very leery of following your heart because if Jesus followed his heart, he would have just left Gethsemane and end of story. But instead, he followed the Father's will, which we're going to get from the Word of God. And here it says, when tempted, well, let me read it and I'll go back to the notes. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Two hunting terms. So your desire is going to set a trap for you and bait it. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. There's five steps here. Desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin now then will have to grow up, is fully grown. And then sin gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers, and that means stop being deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Now, right here, he chose to give us birth. Right above, you've got birth into sin. Now you've got birth through the word of God, or word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. There's three things in verse 18 we're going to talk about. There's, he chose, meaning this is God's will. Don't follow your desires. Follow God's desire. God's desire is that you be born of the word of truth. So his desire to give us birth. Here's another birth. We're not going to be giving birth to sin, but we're going to be giving birth. We're being born into a new dimension. You're leaving this dimension. You've been born into this world. Here he's saying, but you're going to give us birth into another dimension that's going to give you some other options you're born in this world so you have the option of being violent of being verbally abusive of being you know corrupt and and working evil against evil yes you have because you're of this age but his desire his will was that you be born of the word of truth ho you've been born on another level look at the tools you've got available don't have time i'm too busy fighting the world it's like wait you need to stay here and mature because there's a whole lot of tools you've got available to you to use that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created meaning you've got these tools that you can use and you're going to be able to mature and grow and start producing fruit from 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 the eternal age fruit that comes from the kingdom of god but you're producing it now, you've been, in a sense, born out of time. You're, you're, you're of this age, born in this world, but you've been, as we know, born again, spiritually alive, with the Word of God and the Spirit, able to grow and mature, able to produce fruit that is not of this age, but is actually of the kingdom age that's of another whole dimension. This is where the Christian should be, producing fruit today that is not of the world, but of God's nature. And it's not, not like, and you can't do this. He's saying, oh, I, I agree. We don't want to be violent. Let's all get together and form a, a human union where we all come together like a one world government, a one world you know, health system where we all just come together and we will unify. Okay, no, you just took this garbage relabeled it and repackaged it eliminated the people that didn't agree with you killed them or whatever and now you've got this new system it's just the same thing it's of the fallen age you must be born of the word of god and come up here and you, these two are never going to intersect they're never going to understand each other so here we go with that oversight let look at that 
Let's go to the notes on the page one. The bold print at the top, James chapter one, verse 12. In the English Standard Version, uh, Tony is not here, as you know, so I have no clock up there because she took her clock with her. So what time is it? It's 11.30. Okay. Okay, so we're just, we're just getting started here. <laughs> okay. So I got 30 minutes to say the same thing again, but with notes. Here it is. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to shut it off, we're done. We're just going to review everything, but use notes this time. Blessed is the one who remains steadfast, hupomone, under trial, for when he has stood the test, uh, dokimazo, passed the test, he'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So the idea here is you're facing, you're facing tests, you're facing trials. You've got to go through this to become what we'll say perfect. Teleos, which means mature. Not perfect, sinless, but you've, you reach maturity. That's the goal. A, go, a perfect, mature, you're able to produce fruit. The ideal here is you're going to be producing fruit. If you've been born of the seed of the Word of God, and that grows, you'll produce fruit that is from the seed of God. I mean, you're, you're born again from the Word of God, which is supernatural. You grow and mature, you're going to produce supernatural fruit. The Word of God is not of this age. The character you're going to be able to produce is not of this age. The Word of God is from the age to come. The fruit you're producing is from the age to come. It's eternal. It will last forever, but it's going to rock this world down here. Now, this is going to be a very small percent early on. We're going to call this eventually, Paul's, or James is going to call this the first fruits, meaning at first during this age, we'll say 1% of everything that happens in this age is of this dimension. 99%, this is not biblical numbers. I'm just making this number up. 99% of what you hap- happen here is, is carnal. It's, it's, it's sinful. It's, it's worldly. It's, it's corrupt. But as the kingdom of God comes, and it will come like lightning and change history, this is going to rapidly change to this is all going to become 100% going to be righteous. And all this other is going to just fade away. In fact, it's already fading away. James is trying to tell his people, get on board with the train that's coming. This is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. And it's not just us standing out cheering when Jesus comes back. It's us living and producing a life that's more and more like the character of God. As we wait his coming, we're not just standing looking in the sky waiting. We're engaging in the Ukraine situation, political situation, with the Chinese balloons, with... And forget that. How about interacting with each other in homes, interacting with each other as friends with this righteous character? This is not just something for church. This is you bringing it to your family, your home, your relationships, your workplace of having godly character uh, of righteousness uh, instead of always going back to the ways of the world evil. I mean, think Ukraine, think China, but think your house, your home. Think how crazy it would be to be living back here in the the evil age, dealing with everything in your family, everything in your home, from this position of of chaos and destruction and envy and jealousy, and this is your home. Wouldn't it be better to be, if you're going to have these first fruits of righteousness, yeah, we want to have it in the political party. Yeah, we'd like to have it, you know, as we interact on social media. But let's start just in in the house, in the home, marriages, families. I mean, that's where where it's going to make a difference. I mean, it's always going to make a difference. Okay, here we go. Chapter 1, verse 13. When you're looking at the world situation, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. I think God wants me to act evil here. Again, that would make sense. I mean, you could hear that being said. I think this is a time where God wants me to act evil. God has led me to this moment in time to be evil. Well, let no one say God is tempting you. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. He's not going to put it out. Again, tempting is like teasing you. Hey, try this. How about just go tempt? He's just giving you that option. Here, here's evil. Go ahead. You need to use evil this time. It's like he's never going to say, hmm, I think the best option right here is you be evil. 
God is not going to put that on. That is not God putting that out there on the table. Now, when you look and you have your prayer life and you search your heart, you may see evil as an option. You know what? I could do this. I could do this. But hey, that's, that looks like it's a viable option. Well, yeah, it's a viable option. Evil is always a viable option. But it says, but each person when is tempted, uh, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed. This is the bait. Lured and enticed is bait. It's a hook. It's a trap by his own evil desires. When you have that in your, your prayer life or you're searching your heart, what does God want me to do? And you see this right there. Ah, evil. No, no, no. That's your own evil desire coming up right beside your prayer life and putting on the table evil. God's word says this. Spirit of God is leading you here. And then right there's that evil. How'd that get on the table? That's your evil desire putting it on the table, fool. It's like, well, I was searching my heart. The heart is deceptive. No man knows the heart, Proverbs says. It's like, well, I was searching my heart. Well, good God, where do you think sin comes from? It's like, well, not from my heart. Well, okay, there's your false doctrine right there. Sin, corruption is not in the world. Sin nature is in the man. The man brings corruption to the table. The world is fallen, but sin nature, it says right here, your own evil desire. So whenever anybody says, follow your heart, you can see why the world would say that. And you can see why a Christian would bring that to the, I've been born again. Yes, you've been born again. You've got a new nature, but right beside your new nature is still your sin nature. And so when you search your heart, you've got the word of God. You've maybe got the spirit of God leading you. You've still got your own evil desire. And to the untrained mind, to the untrained soul, to the shallow carnal believer, it all looks the same. These are all three viable options. But you understand what I'm saying? I could keep harping on that. I'm talking to myself. So it's like, oh, well, he was really, it's like, no, no. I'm talking about experience uh, of seeing God's will right here. Yes, I think God wants me to do evil this time. Thank you, Lord, for giving me that option. It's like, fool, that's not God. That's your own. Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Uh, I've got verses written down right there. Romans one twenty four. Therefore, God gave them up to their lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonor their bodies. In other words, if it goes too far, God will say, fine, I'll take the other option. Here, when God is done with you, he takes off the word. He takes off the spirit, whatever he's doing to lead you, and just gives them up and says, well, the only option on the table, there. the only thing you got left is your desire. Why don't you choose that? God is not going to tempt you with evil, but he will take the other options off the table. So when you look in your heart, that's the only thing left. And that is going to lead you to your destruction. That's called, in a sense, hardening someone's heart or God closing the door, the unforgivable sin. That happens to individuals. It happens to cultures where they look and they go, I don't see any other option except to do this thing. And it leads them right to their destruction. That's what Romans one twenty four is talking about. Romans 6.12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, uh, to make you obey its passions. And Romans 7, 7, 8, uh, we could read that. Uh, Romans 13, uh, 13 through 14. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Galatians five sixteen. I walk by the Spirit, I say, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In Ephesians 2.3, a great set of verses here. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You used to live there. Following the course of this world, you know, fighting evil with evil, following the prince of the power of the air, that's where Satan operates, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once, now listen, Paul is not cutting you any slack or any of a slack. He says that's the way, he says you used to live there, you used to walk there following the course of this world. You used to follow the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now still at work in the sons of disobedience. 
and remember, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We've all been there, and you all have an opportunity to still go there. Paul's not saying, now that you're a Christian, that's no longer there. He says, you used to dwell there. Now you've been born again, but you can still go back there anytime you want to among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And the, if you go to that context there, he says, stop going there and come over here and live in this other dimension that James is talking about. Okay, chapter 1, verse 15, bottom page 3. When desire, excuse me, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death and i've got that written down there so this desire <clears throat> and again it, it's a sequence the desire takes the bait steps in the trap desire is the first step right here it says when it has conceived desire conceives i mean this is this is interesting because this is just like a pregnancy it's 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 like giving birth it's it, it, there's there's something instantaneous about it but as we look at this, it's something more of a process. It's something that you've got time, again, without, you know, you don't want to become too sloppy in this and give people too much room. Don't want to give people too much grace. Uh, but you understand, Pharaoh uh, had 10 plagues, and he hardened his heart several times before the door was finally shut. It wasn't Moses goes to Pharaoh one time, Pharaoh says no, and then all hell breaks out. It's like he was given, he went, he verbally approached him. He gave him three signs. Then he gave him the first plague. Okay. Then he gave him the second plague. And Pharaoh just keeps inching further and further away until finally it's like, okay, then he says, then God hardened his heart. The guy's okay. He takes all the options off the table. The only option you're going to see, Pharaoh, is your desire. Up until that time, the options were on the table for him that he could have chosen any of these other things. Until finally it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then finally it says, and God hardened his heart. What that would probably mean, these were the options, but finally, just like, okay, you no longer have these options. The only thing you can see is this one. Go to your destruction, Pharaoh. And so this is going to be more of a process, which gives you a, some grace, uh, but, you know, be careful. It says, then desire, when it has conceived, desire conceives, now it's conceived, it's going to give birth to something. It's going to give birth to sin. Now up until this point, you've had a desire, you've had the temptation, but you've said no. But once it conceives, it takes this, this now conceives, you receive it, you think about it, you take it in, it produces sin. Now there is sin. Now it doesn't say, and then, and then you die. It's over in this particular case. It says, conceives gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown it's going to have to grow fully grow it's going to grow a little bit it's going to grow a little bit more now it's going to be fully grown it's going to be now mature just like god wants you to be in the word and resist the temptation be consistent hoopamone through the trials so that you might be mature and complete producing the fruits of the spirit or the first fruits in this age the same thing is over here you're going to end up producing sin and sin is going to become mature and when well it says right here gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown gives birth to death and that is the result your desires if it conceives will produce sin sin will be repeated and it becomes a pattern it's going to mature and once it matures and produces the ultimate fruit that fruit is death now there's no one in their right mind is going to say this is what i want out of life but the thing is desire is going to be it's going to have a trap and it's going to see the bait and it's going to take this trap and this bait it's going to be enticed and and, and receive or conceive this temptation so that is what is being said that's how the process works and i've got all those things written down right there chapter 1 verse 16 
it says in the in I'm reading English Standard. You can see I've got a real big box underneath there, the English or the Greek. English Standard, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. This is the story right here. This is the way it works. Do not be deceived. Now, in the Greek, the word M-E in the transliterated, or you can see right there, mu and the uh, uh, the A sound right there. Uh, it says, stop now being misled. The context right there, because the next verb right there the, that I've got highlighted, uh again, I'm, I'm doing the best I can of showing you where this comes from. Planeste in the Greek, it's verb in the present imperative, which means now it's happening and it's a command, meaning this is now, it is currently happening now, and it is a command to stop this. So when it says not, that not is referring to something that is happening, not potential, not in the future, but it's a present tense be misled is present tense, meaning you are being misled right now. And then the word not would mean, if you're being misled right now, not misled would mean stop being misled. And so it's in the present tense. So when it says in our Bibles, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers, you could just, in the tense, in the Greek, it means stop being deceived. In other words, He's not giving them information. It's like, yes, okay, will this be on our theology test? No, this is because you are being deceived. Your desires that you're following, it's, it's like, hey, I think that's what God wants me to do. God is tempting me to do evil. No, that is a trap and a bait. It, you, once you conceive that and you take that in and you begin to operate your life, you're going to start fighting the oppressors with violence. You're going to start burning their fields. You're going to start you know, protesting and saying rude things, talking bad about people. Yeah, we're fighting back. We're Christians. We believe in Jesus. We're not putting up with this. We're going to take, okay, sin. Now, when it's fully mature, your Christianity is going to produce death because your Christianity is based in your fleshly desires and not in the word of truth well we're gonna fight this and cause god's will god's you can see how the crusades would work into this you can see how a lot of things would work into this you can see church fights working into this if you could bring it home you'd see families working like this he says stop being deceived that is not that's not it do not be stop being deceived my dear brother again notice my dear brothers I sound angrier than James does, okay? James is probably a lot more. Uh, I'm going to read some notes on page five. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Bottom of the page four. Now he switches right here. That, that, that is that. Now he's going to switch to uh, every good and perfect gift. Stop being deceived. That's not, this right here, God offering you a temptation, that's not it. Every good and perfect gift comes down from uh, the Father of lights. We're going to talk about this. From above. He says, you've got something else that he is offering you. I'm going to read now the page four, bottom of page four. Every good gift, this is the English Standard Version. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. Now, just so you know, I'll say it again, but in the NIV, it adds the word heavenly lights because the idea there is it's above. It, it's talking, trying to talk about something, you know, it's, it's the lights, where the lights come from. So again, it's not in the Greek, but it's, it's the right context. It's a good, you know, paraphrase. It's not a perfect translation, but it's a paraphrase trying to communicate. Every good, and per, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now here, he uses Father of lights, probably referring to the, the heavenly lights, the stars, the moon, the sun, which in the ancient world, including the Jewish culture, that also represented the angels. So again, you know, be, be careful. It's not just like, don't go just, you know, modern society those are the lights and the orbiting planets yes but in the ancient world those also represented the angelic hosts that were above he said throughout the scriptures without becoming too weird but just kind of keep that in mind so this is the father of lights. every 
good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights who is above. Now, there's a difference. The lights, uh, there's a difference. There is variations in the lights because they're orbiting, they're moving. Even the moon itself has different phases. So again, maybe God, yes, I agree, the Father of lights, but now maybe it's time that God, a new phase of the moon is turned over, now it's time to do evil. It's the evil phase. Uh, no, no. There's no varying phases here. He's going to say that. Nor are there shadows. Because as the sun rises, minute by minute, it's changing. He is from above. He's casting down light from above. But you can just see right there, the thinkers in the church, right, God is sending light to the earth. But sometimes the light is at noon, and there's very little shadow. But sometimes as the sun is setting or the sun is rising, there's a long, dark shadow. Now may be the time for the dark shadow. Remember the 60s, the dark shadows? Okay, remember, I just remember that. Okay, Barnabas, remember Barnabas? Barnabas Collins. How many people pull that out of their head? Barnabas Collins. That's, that's terrible, it's terrible. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't look it up. <laughs> 1970s, uh, what, uh, what do you call those things? Or 60s, what, uh, those little half-hour shows in the afternoon. Soap operas, soap opera, dark shadows of soap opera. Okay, <coughs> sorry, that, yeah, okay. Ah, uh, the sun is shining at noon, there's very little shadow, but as it settles or sets, you're going to have a long shadow. So if you're a thinker, it's like the father of lights, you could argue back, even the lights are different shadows, and maybe this is the time to come out of the dark shadows and do a little evil. And James says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There's no variation, there's no orbiting, there's no moon phases, and there are no shadows of change from noon to 6 o'clock in the evening. None of that. So don't go there. This is coming from above. There's no change. It's eternal. God's nature is solid. It's unchanging. So you may want lights changing here, it's not changing here. So he uses this light as an example, but then clarifies this. It's not like that. He's like the lights, but not like this. You can't change this. Otherwise, he's going to lose his point. That's kind of what we're saying here on these next ones. Um, page five, to argue against the view that claims I am being tempted by God when a believer experiences the desire to respond to oppression with trials, uh, and trials with violence, unrighteousness, foul language, etc. Uh, James uses another argument that says God only gives good and perfect gifts, so he's not going to give you evil as an option. God is the Father of lights. They come from above, from another dimension. They're not up. See, I, we could go through there, and it's gonna, they're going to have other examples in this Bible. We're going to talk about comparing this, and I should have got the verses out. But of this age, of this world, and this is the Father from above. So there's a contrast of the world, of this area, with what's above. So he's contrasting the evil of this world with what's above. And you have been born from above, not of this world. So that's the contrast. God has no variation, no change. Point two, God will bring judgment, but not by tempting the believer to do evil. So this is a, well, if God is perfect and he never does evil, then what, what did he do to Egypt? Okay, that was not Moses bringing evil to Pharaoh. That was Moses announcing what was going to happen to him. And here's some verses. Romans 12, 19 through 21. Beloved. Now watch how similar this sounds. I really think this verifies or uh, isolates, uh, confirms what I'm saying. So hear this. Romans 12, 19 through 21. Beloved, Paul writes to the Romans, never avenge yourselves but leave, leave it to the wrath of God. So that's what James is saying. God, you're being tempted to respond with evil, with vengeance. No, no, no. You look to the lights above. Now, God will bring vengeance. In fact, we know God is in the process of bringing vengeance to the very people that are causing James's congregations to be oppressed. Within, if, if this is 45 AD, if it's 45 AD, the, the Roman armies are going to be marching in through Syria, devastating the land, 
all the way down to Jerusalem, 45, 55, 65. Within 20 years, they're going to be sweeping through there. Within 25 years, that whole place is gone. The whole culture, the whole culture that was oppressing these early Christians is gone in 25 years. So understand that. Leave room for God's vengeance. You are not the agent of wrath. You are the agent. You're not even an agent. You are here trying to mature and grow in Christ. You are trying to produce the first fruits of the kingdom of God in this age. Yeah, but I'm going to bring, you're not going to bring anything. You focus on yourself and focus on growing. You focus on you doing what's right. Be that 1%. God is well capable of unleashing the wrath of God. And if you end up being that agent that God uses, like maybe you're Babylon destroying Jerusalem for the Lord. Well, you understand what happened to Babylon after they got done being the agent of God's wrath. He then turned and punished them for destroying the temple. So what's happening there, we went through that when we went through all the prophets, is God is merely saying, I need to destroy Jerusalem because they're in rebellion towards me. Ah, look at these people. They want to destroy Jerusalem and takes all the options off the table where the only option is, hey, let's go destroy Jerusalem. And they do, and he goes, well, you shouldn't have chose that option. You should have chose something better. And then he punished them for choosing the evil desire. And so you don't want to be that person. <laughs> Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Now, that is, you hear that? God says, if their son needs to be punished, I will punish him. Well, what do I do? Should I help? No, you give them water. You keep working with them. You start building your character and you do righteousness. I'll be the one that decides. Well, if you want, want a little benefit, a little footnote on that, uh, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. In other words, you just keep reaching out, being friendly, reaching out with the gospel, reaching out and trying to welcome them into the truth. And the more they reject it, the harder the judgment's going to be. So you just keep doing good. If you want to know the benefits of it, if you want it to be a little bit of a twist to it, well, the nicer you are to them, the harder their judgment's going to be. So keep being nice. Again, I'm not sure if that's a Christian way of interpreting that, but that's, that's what it says. Then it's, here it is. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So there's no place when they're doing evil, are you going to overcome them with evil? You're just going to get into the judgment cycle. Over, this is Paul writing to the Romans. It's a completely different book. Uh, 57 AD, this is written, you know, say 14 years later. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If that evil is going to be broken by you, it's going to be broken by you being righteous to them, being gracious to them, leading them into the truth that you found. And if you can do that, you've delivered them from judgment. If you don't do that, you're just heaping more weight upon their heads and more judgment's going to come down on them. But your job is to be gracious. Proverbs, again, I'm telling you what the Bible says. I'm not saying these are the things that I do daily in my life, okay? I'm, I'm, you, you understand what I'm saying. I mean, I look at this, and I just want to say, you know, I make it sound like, you know, I've got this figured out. This is what I've been doing for the last 40 years. This is what has brought me success. It's kind of like I'm really like, oh my gosh, I've got to make some changes in my life because sometimes, you know, I've found out it's just time for me to just bring the wrath of God, you know? And it's like, well, maybe it wasn't. Again, you've got to be careful. You've got responsibilities, uh, I know sometimes as a teacher, I, I, you know, I have to discipline a class or you know, explain something, and sometimes I, I tell them things like, you know, in this shop, I'm the god of the shop, you know, and you've angered the gods or something. And again, that's, that's, I'm responsible for the classroom management. I'm not like bringing the, the wrath of God. I'm bringing the wrath of Weemers. Uh, get back in line. And that's part of, you know, being a father, being a, a teacher, a coach, you know, whatever. I mean, you've got to... You know, and that doesn't mean wrath. It's more like out of love. You know, father disciplines out of love, brings your children back in line. So again, there's that fine line. Are you bringing wrath or are you bringing discipline out of love? And uh, so, anyway, that was me just justifying myself there for a moment. Okay, First Samuel 26.10, David added, As surely as the Lord lives, the Lord himself will strike him down. Either his day will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. He's not going to do it himself. Deuteronomy 35, where God says, vengeance is mine. 
Point three, instead, God is going to send something from above. Okay, <clears throat> instead of giving you wrath to bring on these people, what time is it? Twelve. Twelve. Okay, uh, God, is, uh, from light's goodness, God is going to send something from above, and oh boy, we've got to pick this up next week. Because here's, here's the key right here. This is where we really want to get to. I'm really, exci- I'm really excited about this. I can sum it up very fast. Chapter 1, verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. So the God of the God, the good and perfect, the Father of lights from above, the gift that he gave is the word of truth. Now watch this. I can do this fast. He gave us the word of truth. It was his will, his desire. He gave us the word of truth. And this word of truth it conceived and gave birth to us. We were born of this word of truth. Just like we at one point were born into this fallen world, God desired to cause another birth to take place, and we were born from this truth coming from heaven, not of the world, fight evil with evil. Here's how you work the world system. A truth came to us from above, and we were born into this new truth. We've been born again. It doesn't say it directly, but you can see it's the same thing. We've been born of this, and now that we've been born of this truth, his desire is that we conceive this truth, this word, and we begin to produce the first fruits. And I'm going to read that next right here. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, there's a kingdom coming, and his truth has already come. Right now, we have this truth. For 2,000 years, we've had this revelation of Jesus Christ. We've got it. And so we can begin to produce, the, the, receive this, and start maturing and producing this first fruits. And this first fruits is something that eventually is going to be the only thing left. It's the only thing it's going to be is the kingdom of God and the character of God. And we can start participating in that today. And we'll receive benefits today, but also rewards for eternity. Uh, and here's some verses we've got. I'll have to pick this up next week. It's interesting that, uh, like in Romans, they all, Jesus talks about the, re, uh, the renewal of all things in, in Matthew. Acts, Peter talks about until the time of restoration of all things. When the time of restoration comes, we're producing first fruits now, before the day of restoration is here uh in romans 16 and first corinthians 16 the believers are called the first fruits they are the first fruits meaning you've been chosen from this time in history as a type of the first fruits of things that are going to happen uh later on in history and throughout all time and this is the thing uh instead of choosing the evil god has given us something else to choose and that is the word of truth that's going to produce in our lives and we can bring to the world this first fruits. It's separate. It, it sometimes has a result, an effect, but even if it doesn't, the world itself is passing away and this is what's going to last forever. James, again, is addressing a church that is struggling with the idea of we need to fight back and James is saying, you've been born of the word of God. You need to focus on becoming Christ-like because this is where this whole kingdom is heading. We're not heading into a military battle. There's a military battle coming to destroy these people, the Jewish wars. But you are going to be from another age. Now, again, you know what happened to the church uh, in 66 AD in Judea? They went across the Jordan River up to the Decapolis, to a place called Pella, watched the uh, Romans march through the land, destroy Jerusalem after 73 AD, after the fall of Masada, Rome was all settled down. The church, which had watched the whole thing, came back into Jerusalem and Christianized Jerusalem. And so Jesus had said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, it's time to flee. And they, they got out. Another time, Jesus says in the end time, he says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, lift up your head because your salvation is drawing near. One was talking about 70 AD or 66 to 70 AD, the Roman wars. When you see Jerusalem surrounded, get out. That's when John went to Ephesus with Mary. Another time he was talking about when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, that's Zechariah. This verse we going in Zechariah 10, 11, 12, 13. Jesus is coming back. Get ready. The military is going to take over. And that's where Jesus begins to fight the end time battles. And there is a battle coming. 
The battle's coming. But today is not the battle, nor will we instigate the battle. We will see Jesus coming and the battle beginning. It will not be us. We are here to produce the first fruits. Again, it's a, it's a lesson for me uh, to hear these things. I, I, look at, I look at the world. It's like, when are we going to fight back? It's kind of like, let the world go the way the world's going to go. You focus on proclaiming the truth, developing the first fruits at this time, uh, you know, sharing truth, but you got to win hearts. You know, you can't just win battles because that's not even our call. And again, if you're in the military and you're fighting for the United States or you're military, whatever your nation, that's another whole concept. We're talking about, at least in context, we're talking about the believers in 45 AD about in Syria that had fled Jerusalem. I'll pray and we're free to go. Father, we do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We ask that we would judge our own hearts that we would not allow our desires to be ensnared, but would, Father, would, would search for your word, that we would ask for your wisdom, that we would be able to produce the, the good things that you've called us to, the, the first fruits. And we ask that we'd be able to gain a perspective of our time in history and our time in eternity and how we're connected to that future already. In Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity. Amen. Thank you for being here.